I finally saw my son and my wife on December 25th at the restaurant downtown with the play area. It had been 23 days since the day that Daria surprisingly unexpectedly fled the apartment with the police, so I hadn't played with my son for 23 days. And if you go back before that, I mean the entire month before that, I basically had had almost negligible, in my opinion, contact with him. That's pretty much seven weeks and call it two months. In any case, that was that was somewhere around 10 or 15% of his life. I'm not going to do the calculation exactly, but that's a sub- substantial part of his life that I just missed. And I didn't just miss it. I was barred from being there. And they weren't taking steps to ease the separation. And he was missing out on having one half of his caregiving team. I saw him from across the play area and we looked at each other for a second And then he really ran over and we hugged each other. It was a hug that was way more mature than any hug that I'd ever had with him. It may have been almost the first hug that we'd ever had where I think we were both like, we're hugging each other to show each other that we love each other and that we've missed each other. And you know, he could feel me sobbing and he just held on. Just this 15 month old kid knowing that we love each other so much. Having seen each other the day in the unpleasant circumstances, being harassed by Daria's father outside her house, you know, I just focused on playing and being nice with him, even if they wouldn't let me hold him. And I think that that set the stage for things being direct recognition at that moment when we saw each other. In any case, that evening as well, after we spent the day together there, after I talked to Daria and I really tried to reach out to her and build rapport, that evening though, I went to church like I always did when they weren't there anyway and um, I just remember standing there and just thinking about him and that hug and I just was sobbing visibly sobbing in the in the mass that night and I know that I will always remember that um, every time that I'm gonna hug my son for the rest of our lives I'm gonna think about how we got together that day on December 25th I don't know I looked at Daria it seemed like she was still kind of in this disassociation mode where she didn't want to admit or show that she could see how dramatic it was in any case you know as soon as we settled into playing we all were hugging each other and I made sure to reach out to her and put my arm around her much as I had done in this very same play area and the same very same restaurant back in November when I first tried to get her on board and to realize like that this was not going to work for her it wasn't going to work for anyone this whole scheme of using her parents and taking their help and letting them run things so when we get to later december though Here's what's kind of significant about all that. Into Jan- What happens from December to January between Tiffany and Daria? What's significant about it is once Daria starts revealing to Tiffany that the Russian custody professionals are going to try to um, encourage her to go back to the United States and put some effort into reconciling with me, Tiffany really doubles down on character, assault on me, scapegoating, saying I'm crazy, etc., more than even more than ever before i mean it's just the way that her characterizations of me escalate throughout their interactions into january is pretty remarkable 
And then as we moved into January and Daria was admitting to me that her parents were treating her in a way that was not right. And as I had obviously seen that they were treating her in a way that was not right. And as I had told Tiffany that they were treating her in a way that was not right. As Daria starts to try to broach that topic with Tiffany, tries to bring that topic up, you can see Tiffany constantly um, dismiss that, you know, ignore that, say it's not important to talk about that. It's not important for you to talk about your parents with me. Really just targeting those doubts and pushing them away. Same thing with any a little bit of attempt or doubt of, by Daria about, you know, maybe I'm not all bad, anything like that, or trying to defend me. You can see Tiffany immediately jump on it and be like, yeah, well, you could think that if you want to, but you'd be wrong. Stuff like that. I mean, obviously, like textbook pressure and manipulation... Daria told Tiffany that the custody women were going to try to give us the opportunity to remedy our relationship. Tiffany's response was, Yeah, so bad. Your case will help change things, though. No one should be treated the way you have been. It really doesn't matter what they think, though. So they think you have a better custody case in the U.S.? Or why do they think you should go to the U.S.? What did they say about custody? Can you say he tries to control what you do and gets angry and abusive? Daria said that the law was just obligated to try to put us back together. Tiffany said, wow, that must be frustrating. So weird. How do they think they can possibly mediate? Daria told her that as a breastfeeding mom, I will only get visitation rights. Tiffany said, great. And then she said, oh, I just don't want him to manipulate them too. I'm worried he can overpower you with them. I mean, about getting you two back together. He has all these recordings that he thinks shows you're abusive, etc. But honestly, he sounds so abusive and manipulative like it's evidence against him. I hope he acts like he normally does because he really doesn't make sense. He's going to say you're depressed and need help and you are enmeshed with your parents and that you haven't lived with your parents since you were 15. I said to him, no one would choose to have a broken home and family for no reason, regardless of what your parents are doing. He has done things that make it so you can't be with him and he has to take responsibility for his own actions. He's trying to blame your parents for things he's done and that's the only way he can explain things to himself. It's so weird. He sends me screenshots about manipulative behavior all day. Don't be afraid of what he has or what he says. He sounds psycho. On some level, I can't wait for him to share that stuff because it proves that he is the abuser. You are so strong, and if you continue standing up for yourself, he will not be able to keep doing this, and he's going to hit rock bottom when he can actually change. I have told him he needs to fix himself or nothing will ever change. I hope this is rock bottom for him so that he is actually forced to come to terms with himself. Definitely say that he won't take responsibility for his abuse. So he has to come up with a story about your parents. And he believes it because he can't fault himself for the things he's done. It's not like you're under their spell, which is what he's saying. Has Jason tried to get people to reach out to you? This was a reference to the letter that... I'd drawn up and sent to Tiffany that I was maybe going to send to a bunch of our friends to kind of say, like, hey, Daria, you're welcome back in the U.S. And Tiffany was just like, it's not because she's depressed that she doesn't want to go. Actually, what <laughs> what had really happened is Tiffany had talked to as many people as she could, as far as I can tell, and told them how Daria was getting to safety somehow by being in Russia. And so I never sent that letter. I guess I got the feeling that that wouldn't really do anything. And for, in a lot of ways, I mean, to get 
all these people back home to write to Daria. I mean, what was what was mainly important was changing Daria's mind, and that didn't really have that much to do with. I don't know. Maybe that did have have a good amount to do with what people at home, um, what she thought, people at home thought. But ultimately, it was going to be me inviting her decision. I don't know. In any case, Tiffany's told Daria that she had talked to our old friend back home who is an actual social worker and that he was going to talk to me. Um, we had a few messages back and forth. He dropped a couple of pearls of wisdom. Don't act out and don't act in. And don't, just don't argue, I think was what he said. And, and I think I said, you know, I'll, I've been doing open questions only. Steady diet of open questions was, I think, what I said. And that's all that the real social worker ever said about it. What I did get on tape was the custody meeting. And during the custody meeting, there was one moment where asking questions really got me somewhere. I needed to reach out to Daria and reach her emotionally. That wasn't necessarily what I was trying to do. I had competing impulses. For one thing, I was hoping to at least, I was hoping to at least find out if there was any possibility that the women who were taking care of us in the custody office would put in some kind of measures to make sure that that Daria was going to follow through on this. And I kept thinking about her and her parents kind of as joint actors still at this point. The goal was to end that. And I think that the custody women agreed on that. They didn't want to say too much about that, but there were a couple moments where they made it clear that Daria needed, Daria and I needed to be the ones parenting our son, not her parents. And there was this one moment where I finally asked some questions that reached somehow Daria. I wasn't talking directly to Daria. I was talking to the women in charge of the office. But I asked about the about this arrangement they had proposed, this kind of, you know, have you seen women change their behavior when they've been put in a position where they agree to this arrangement? And uh, the woman, I think, said yes. And at that point, Daria just started crying. And uh, I reached out my hand across the table and then she grabbed it. Some of the other women there, you know, kind of reached out and started comforting Daria. And I think that was this moment where everybody, all of the women kept saying things like, this is, you know, this is a good man. Why don't you work with him? There's nothing to be afraid of. They even kind of, well, for better or worse, they kind of laughed at the whole idea that Daria had put forward that she was in danger. I think they looked at me, they listened to her story. They looked at the fact that I was the one who reached out to them to get help here. And they, you know, I think I didn't understand what they were saying at the time. Later on, when I looked back at things, it was clear, you know, that they basically said, what did he do to prevent you from leaving? Oh, he didn't actually touch you. He didn't lay hands on you. He didn't actually hurt you. And they were like, you haven't been in Russia that long, have you? They basically said, like, by Russian standards, at least, we don't know what they do in America, but by Russian standards and by American standards, too, there was nothing to be afraid of here. But they still went along with the idea that she wanted to be in a public place for the first few meetings. And I said no at first, but then, you know, I agreed. But I did, you know, I bargained a little bit. But it seemed like the goal overall was just to get us meeting again so that I could kind of talk to her and bring her around to the perspective of let's get you out of your parents' house. Like I said, I prepared all these um, recordings that they didn't listen to, transcriptions of the recordings of the events at her parents' house where things went wrong, translations of the English part. They didn't look at that. <laughs> they didn't even have 
the main document that I'd kind of gotten to them a couple days before. It was really that question, I think, that made the big impact there. That question of, have you seen people reform their behavior after they've agreed to something like this? And, you know, it affected Daria most of all. And everyone got to see that, that her problems, they were not really derived from her and my relationship. They were derived from her parents. The problems that they had been contributing to, really, I believe, since we were back in Massachusetts. After the custody meeting, which was on December 24th, a day that doesn't really have any meaning in Russia, because Christmas is two weeks later, but it had a lot of meaning for me, and I'd hoped to see Enki that day. Daria didn't bring him. But afterwards, you know, after the meeting, we got outside, we said goodbye to the women who, who had helped draw up the agreement. And I immediately started hugging and kissing her, and, you know, she was trying to be standoffish, but she obviously started to feel good and feel the warmth that we needed to have back in our relationship. She said, jokingly, this isn't in the agreement. It was cold, so we started walking, and I said, hey, come to the cathedral with me, because it was only about five minutes away, maybe ten minutes. So I got her to come, and I gave her this little crucifix that had had gotten out of the free box there, just on, a, on an old string, this tiny, kind of tiny crucifix. And she left from there, and we were planning to see each other the next day. lot of research into how you deal with somebody who has Stockholm Syndrome and I was really trying to apply the principles that I found some advice from a few different articles use psychoeducation I mean try to educate the person psychologically so I was sending snippets on snippets on snippets about toxic family members manipulative parents it was also saying try not to be polarizing so I would kind of let the snippets do the work on that and I wouldn't say anything myself, but I would simply ask questions because being Socratic, using the Socratic method was recommended, um, being really patient. So, you know, day after day, all that December, I was just waiting and waiting. You know, as an, and as I turned to our friends back home for support, they just basically kicked me in the face. And that was tough. One great thing that happened... The night before the meeting, I not only had a really horrible conversation with Holmes back home in Worcester, but I also started looking at this. There was this ad for a master class uh, by Chris Voss, who is a former FBI hostage negotiation chief and who teaches negotiation for business. And he had a master class. I saw the ad and I started reading up on all the free materials online that he had put up there. Uh, I didn't get into it as much as I could have that night, but I simply got asked questions. And that worked at the meeting. Then I was like, I need to read everything. (laughs) 
I didn't read everything, but I, I went through a lot of the free materials. And so based on that, the main idea was, hey, acknowledge what people are, uh, are accusing you of. And so before, just on the, um, on the morning of December 25th, before Daria and Enki headed over there, I recorded an audio message to Daria um, trying to do that in regards to that night which kept coming up of that the the night of October 31st ironically Halloween when I told her mom to get out and um, when I whatever locked the door and put her boots in there and she kept claiming I wouldn't let them leave it and I I had had you know I had just stuck to this resistant counter narrative which was you stayed and nobody made you stay uh and it's impossible to lock somebody into the apartment if they have the key, which you did. Or And nobody stood in your way. And this is what the women at the custody meeting said, too. They were like, how is he keeping you there? We don't understand. But, you know, I, I was like, okay, if, the negotiations, if this negotiation is going to get off on the right foot, I'm going to follow that idea of acknowledge what people are accusing you of so then they can put that aside and focus on what really matters. Um, just thinking, looking back at your text and thinking a little bit more, and it was interesting, I mean, I wanted to say that it sounds like you don't want to move out of your parents' house, but you don't really want to live with them either, right? Um, is that, is that correct? And it sounds like your independence is really important to you. That's good. Um, and it seems like from your statements that you don't want to go back to the U.S. You're stating you don't want to go back to the U.S. and you really want to make it clear that your parents are not the ones making the decisions for you and those statements are your attempt to assert your independence. And you, you know, um, it sounds like you view any attempt to develop or invest or advance our relationship, you and I's relationship, as an admission of failure because you say... Well, I'll make it happen soon, but I'm not going back. So you view investments in our relationship as going back. Would I be wrong in saying that's how you kind of view things? Uh, the last thing is actually about yesterday when I asked you about what your parents would say if you told them that you were going to move back with me and you said that they would say go. And I've thought a, a good amount about tried to imagine how you imagine that go and what that would mean to you and how that would make you feel and it sounds like you are very cautious about avoiding hearing that go from them and avoiding you know what that would mean uh, would I be wrong in imagining that hey so I was uh, thinking back over the meeting and I was realizing you know when you have these uh, accusations about October 31st, uh, the night here, and uh, when your mom, I sent your mom away on December 2nd, you know, or leading up to December 2nd, where I, we made this plan, and you were lying, but you felt you had to lie and all that. Uh, you've been really, you've been using those as proof of my intent to control you. And I think I haven't been addressing your point. Your point has not been that I actually prevented you from leaving on October 31st. You know, 
and your point wasn't that um, maybe that I did anything to stop you or tell you or scream at you or threaten you that you know that's what I've been arguing with you about and really what your point has been is that I intended to do this I intended to uh, prevent you from going up to the shotgun in order to actually or I push I you know both of those times I, I intended to prevent you uh, from taking Enki with you and leaving um, and <clears throat> I haven't been addressing that fear and that way of you using uh, those events as evidence for my intent to control you which is what you're afraid of you don't want me to be trying to substitute my control for your parents control and now control you and so I think I realized that I need to explain more about what happened on those days in terms of my emotional state and my intentions because I haven't been doing that I've been missing your point and I'm not going to agree with you I mean I'm going to tell you that this fear is based uh, on some assessments of my emotional states on October 31st and uh, you know the weekend of December 2nd that your assessment is that I was willing or trying or intending to control you but I'm going to say that that's, I reject that interpretation of my emotional state at those times. But I'm going to take it seriously, which or I'm going to actually look at that because I haven't been looking at that. I've just been trying to prove to you that I did not stop you from leaving. And that's, that's not what you're afraid of. What you're afraid of is that because I put your shoes in the closet, that's evidence that I'm trying to control you and you're not safe here. And I'm going to trap you or, and the same thing about making plans to bring all of your stuff back here before December 2nd or on December 2nd, that this wasn't a, that this was conceived and pressured on you in order to increase my control on you and be able to control your whereabouts. Um, and I want to say that this, that's not true. And I haven't said that before. I've been talking about how I didn't control your whereabouts in any way, but that's not the point. Okay, so then, what, well, so why did I put your shoes in the closet? And the point is, uh, I wasn't trying to trap you and Enki in the house permanently or even stop you from going to Plushanka that night by putting your shoes in the cabinet. I personally felt that you had already agreed that he needed to go down and go to sleep. And you said my backpack's in the car. I said, I'll go get your backpack. And what I wanted to happen, what I didn't want to happen was for you to come out and apologize to your mom. Um, I sent that the day, the evening after the meeting. And then I sent something else before Daria and I saw each other on December 25th as well. To this message about talking about what her plans and dreams and what she wanted to what what kind of changes she wanted to start making I um, I got the response I do want to move out she said I'm looking for online editing jobs to make it happen as soon as possible as far as what my parents would say I don't really care as much 
but I don't want to leave and come back. I want to leave for good. And as I'm not certain for now of how I would make ends meet, I don't want to say anything to them. So that was kind of where things were when we got into the restaurant. And I kind of got her with one question. I said, well, what happens if you do nothing? And she said, doing nothing is not an option. She'd said something, I think, very similar during the meeting when I'd asked her, you know, what about going back to the United States? It was just, that's not an option. She started to confide in me about her parents. She said, they don't believe in me. My mother doesn't believe in me. And I was really just given the opportunity to listen to her feelings about what she wanted to do next. I knew how to interpret that. I mean, or I interpreted that as she needed to escape from this abusive relationship with her parents and that she had become re-enmeshed with her parents. She wasn't using those terms. Um, In a way, I realize now that she was viewing everything in a way that was, she was, she was viewing everything in a way that was really shaped by, I think, Tiffany's influence, which was, you have to get yourself out of this by somehow, as she's already three months pregnant, building a career out of nowhere that's going to allow you to pull yourself out of your parents' house. I was ready to listen and offer and help her, um, to think about what she could do to make some money, but there was just no reason to me that I could see, like, why she wouldn't cooperate in terms of actually, you know, moving back in together and rebuilding our relationship. We had to take baby steps, and... I still can't really say that anything that I did necessitated that. It, I, it was really overcoming the resistance that was a product of the pressure, mainly of her parents, but also to a huge extent by Tiffany and this sense of a group of people back home who were not supporting me, but who were pressuring Daria to stick with the plan and stick with her parents. Well, the next morning, we hadn't planned on exactly where we would go, but I got a really quick agreement to bring him to the cafe near my apartment. So that was a success. I didn't have to push for it. And then once we were there, since Daria was late, as she usually was, I just didn't even, I didn't even suggest my apartment. I just said, wow, if only there was a place nearby that was warm and comfy and where he could take a nap. And she said, okay, let's go to the apartment. This started, uh, this set up the pattern of coming to the apartment and he got to spend time with the nice toys. I'd actually put together all these toys from old bottles. Like I've made these balls with all kinds of bottles tied uh, with the tops tied together in the middle. And also these kind of little dragons or chains of bottles and plus I had a bunch of other good toys I just kept buying to like not crazy toys just learning toys interesting stuff and of course Daria and I got to spend time together while Enki took his nap in the bedroom the tough part would be when the evening started to come on Daria admitted very early on that 
she just didn't want to give her parents anything else to complain about by staying over or by coming home late. She said some stuff. There was, there was one day early on in that week between American Christmas and New Year's where she literally said, my father worries, my father will worry if I stay home. What will he worry about? Well, I don't know. But after everything that's happened, he can't just be expected to get over it. The tough thing was, yeah, at the end of the day, around four or five, when, of course, they could have just stayed for dinner and they should have been free to do that, she would get really nervous. And she would just grab her phone and start dialing the cab, which, for me, was ultra-traumatic. I was trying to rebuild my life with my son and with my wife and all of a sudden you know there would be no warning so we really had to work on that a couple times this was the moment when I got angry and I think again when I don't think when I'm angry I'm not that scary but you know it had been for the rest of the time I was literally biting my tongue whenever any feeling of how terrible it had been to be deprived of contact with my son came up whenever I came up with the idea of let me say something critical right now let me say something polarizing about her parents even with the people back home even when it was like let me say something about how the people back home are totally wrong and unsupportive I just always had to hold those back but at the end I mean when when it would be like I'm not going to see this kid and sometimes I even during in a, in those early you know, in those early days, it would be like she would leave and maybe we wouldn't have that next meeting set or she would be start leaving. She would start dialing the cab and not have set up, you know, when I'm going to see him again. And also they would always be late. They missed meetings. Anyway, there was one crazy moment where like, I just couldn't resist. I grabbed her phone and then she was yelled about it. And then I threw it on the ground and it just bounced up and then it landed like perfectly right on the counter it just bounced off of the floor and then landed right on the counter because it had kind of like a rubber casing on it that my mom had given along with Dario's this this old iPhone anyway I just took I thanked I don't know that was very fortunate and I don't know she ended up leaving and went outside and then her phone died and that was just but you know we left on a pretty good note we managed to pull it back together in spite of this difficult moment. And it was a difficult moment that was caused by the pressure they were putting on her to come back in the evening. Uh, there's, there's really no other explanation for, for why we had to be going through that. At another moment, Daria admitted that she couldn't just move back with me, she felt like. And I said, well, what is it that makes you feel that way? And she said, well, I came to my parents for help. And I can't just tell them, oh, I'm going back to Jason now. And when I asked her, well, what makes you feel that way? She wouldn't answer. And this is Daria, you know, it would be like, it was very difficult to get her to talk because she's doesn't, she tends not to assert herself and say everything she thinks. She doesn't just rattle on and bullshit and listen. She's the kind of person who withdraws and says, I don't really want to talk about it right now. Or, uh, and this, is, this was what was so painful, actually, about our relationship going back to when we were in the States. She would do this thing where she just emotionally withdraws and withholds and 
just cuts off communication, which was why we ended up in situations like, for instance, at night, when I would like be like, do not go to sleep right now, you know, or even a couple times, unfortunately, bad behavior. I went in and woke her up. Um, or I did something to say, like, I'm not letting you sleep. I'm not going to let you sleep until we talk about this. Which, I mean, sometimes I think that is definitely justified. I probably was not justified by whatever stupid thing um, we were not going to solve that night back in Worcester. And it came back to haunt me later when she would complain about it. We were really rebonding in any case. We weren't necessarily getting to the point where she admits everything that happened it was not going to be until mid-January where she actually would apologize for how hurtful and, you know, even deceitful and dangerous a lot of this stuff was, playing around with the police and everything and obviously not letting me see him. She was not going to apologize right away, and I couldn't really ask for that. That was going to come later. We were getting a lot of affection together. I was focusing on that, you know, kind of... The ultimate nonverbal communication is actually making love to someone, and we were doing that, and we were succeeding at it pretty much every visit. Meanwhile, she was telling me that things back home, uh, back at her parents' house, were going downhill real fast. It got to be New Year's Eve in Russia, and I went to Mass briefly, came back, and I thought, huh... I had read something about how getting into an abusive person's home is way easier on New Year's. Getting in to see a person who is abused by uh, uh, who is li- getting in to see a person who who you love who is living with their abuser is easier on a holiday. And uh, you know, actually, this was the first night I had a drink. I just bought a couple of these really nice inexpensive bottles of Russian champagne, drank some of that, and just decided I'm going over there. You know, I can't let this opportunity go by. It's the biggest holiday of the year in Russia. And uh, Daria's sister was there. I wasn't going to see her. She was going to be inside the whole time. I went. I got a cab, and there was all this talk. Daria had been talking, talking about how difficult it is to get cabs, but I just actually I walked outside and then way overpaid this dude who lived in the same apartment complex as us and uh, I built up my courage outside I paid with all this change took me a while to get out of the cab the guy like wanted me to count down to the last ruble but I went up there and rang the doorbell and then Daria comes to the door and she's like who is it who is it and very strange like nervous voice I'm like it's me and she opened it right away. I came in and kind of down the hallway, Svetlana standing there looking like, I mean, I can only describe it as like if a dog like uh, defecated on your floor, how you would look at it. That's pretty much how she was looking at me coming in the door. And I just said, you know, Happy New Year. And she was like, whatever. Yeah, she said Happy New Year. Uh, and I went in and... and Anki was sitting in the room basically all alone with a few toys around, but then with the cartoons on Daria's computer. And I was like, what is this? You know, like, he watches cartoons? And Daria hadn't said anything about this, but this was going to become a pretty big issue because, you know, what she had done was to get them to be me. <laughs> she had she had replaced her me with her parents. 
as a co-joint caregiver and they weren't up to it. So what became the caregiver when Daria was needed to take a nap and lay down like she did pretty much all day out of a combination of being pregnant but also definitely depression and fair enough exhaustion from when she was taking care of him and being pregnant at the same time. It's it's hard to say everybody reacts differently but she spent a lot of time laying down even at that relatively early time in the pregnancy. So this kid, he's a 15-month-old kid. He's watching a lot of cartoons. So I was not happy about that. I didn't say anything about it then. I just settled in. I brought some toys, and we started playing her father, Anatoly, was storming around. I mean, this was kind of, in a way, like the most angry I'd ever seen him in that, like, he wasn't even coming out and shouting to call the police. He wasn't, like, um, he was just looking really angry, muttering things, and then went back into his room, and they, you know, told him, go back in there, go back in there, and had to shoo him away, and, but his point was like, he's not coming out, he's going to stay in that other room, you know, the room that we, we all slept in when we lived there, and the room that Daria and Enki had to themselves, but Lon was cooking a duck, which was somehow marinated in a bag, and I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea, duck, you're supposed to make it crispy if you marinate it, you're gonna (laughs) it's never gonna get crispy and you're just gonna have a bunch of fat like leak out of the bag which was what happened like i smell burning duck fat in the house and it was really gross i don't even think they ate that but they did have this smoked red river fish fish from the river it's basically a relative of salmon and they smoke it um at this time of year i mean we we ate a ton of that fish not just the smoked kind, but we had a bunch of that frozen. They just... Anyway, Svetlana negotiates with these people, gets a ton of illegal uh, caviar, and buys a ton of kind of more or less illegally caught fish. So we, we got a bunch of that. And so I was locked in there in the room while they're having their Christmas celebration. They wouldn't. I was not allowed to come out. And so I'm in there in the dark room with Enki, kind of trying to sleep, but... It just occurred to me, like, I wonder where those passports are. And I went, and I I didn't tear the place apart. I didn't have to. I just looked in the cabinet. They weren't there. Kind of felt, went through the bookcase. Nothing there. And then there was... Daria had her suitcases packed. And we've been living out of suitcases in Russia. Just, they're convenient places to keep clothes. But she had these suitcases. They were all zipped up, and there was the green one, and then... A small green suitcase and I was like ah, probably in there and sure enough it was in there and I looked and I saw Enki's passport and his Russian passport and his American passport and I was I was just like ah oh, there they are I really want to grab these right now and but I was like you know what I'm gonna show trust I'm gonna leave these here because if Daria went in and looked here someday and she saw that they weren't there that's gonna cause a problem uh, and it's gonna, or it's gonna make it look like I didn't trust her. <sighs> well, if only I had. Or I don't know, things might have been different if I had taken them at that moment and put them in my backpack and brought them home the next day. The next day, we got up and I came out. I went into the kitchen during breakfast time. They avoided, he, he avoided me, her father avoided me. We were in the kitchen, and I'm just like, well, what's the problem? I thought you were going to tell me 
did you, I was like, what, what was it you wanted to tell me about why I couldn't be out here last night? She was like, not wanting to tell me, not wanting to tell me. And then we're in the other room and she comes out and she's like, it's my father. He just, he just can't get over what happened. What's happened so far. You can't expect him to change instantaneously. Or you, you can't just expect him to change the way he feels out of the blue. I mean, if there's any more of an admission about someone's inappropriate feelings getting in the way of your life, I feel like that's what happened. And then she was like, can you get a cab home now? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> I'd be happy to get out of here. And I just wanted to see them again. I, I think they came over the next day. So we continued on everything. But I think that going over there was a really big deciding moment where it was clear it was them over there and me over here and it was like who's really fucked up here who's really fucking your life up here for daria and it wasn't the kind of thing where she could just oh step in step up and admit that but it was like this is going to be rooted in your memory somewhere back there in your subconscious this moment where everything was so crystal clear and you had to go and pre- pretend and sit at the table and listen to them go on and have their New Year's Eve ritual and so on. But, you know, in the end, I was in the room. They were out there. Things started to really go downhill over there after that, from what I was hearing. Meanwhile, though, things were continuing between me and the people back home remotely. Uh, I mean, basically between Holmes and I. Obviously, New Year's happens after... New Year's in Worcester happens after it happens in Komsomol's Memoria, almost a day after. I didn't feel like I could just let things go with the people back in Massachusetts. I mean, mainly Tiffany and Holmes I'm talking about. And what I did after that conversation, before the custody meeting where Holmes started telling me all the things I'd done wrong, I kept sending him a message here and there, and he tried to send vaguely supportive messages. At one point, I sent him texts from Tiffany. I had told Tiffany I was gonna send um, basically copies of what she had written me, all these accusations, stuff that I thought was completely unacceptable. And I, I don't know, Holmes was the person I had there as our closest mutual friend between Tiffany and I. He didn't reply. Another thing I sent to him was a kind of self-help document. I'd been reading so much stuff about how to help people who are in abusive situations. One day I spent the afternoon writing up my own and it was just about how to reply to someone without pressuring them to do something. It was something that I came up with while I was thinking about her parents, how they reacted um, when she wanted to change her mind or do things or make her own decision. And they 
ended up telling her what to do. It was also a little bit about Tiffany and Holmes, where you pretend to be supportive, but you actually are pressuring them in one or the other direction. You're not actually collaborating with them. And all he replied was context question mark, which I didn't really know how to interpret it at the time. But at this point, I definitely think of that as a defensive response. Like he knew that some of this applied to him. That wasn't necessarily the spirit in which I sent it. I just sent it as, hey, check this out. I'm working on this. Um, So I was a little bit frustrated by that point. By the time we got to New Year's Eve in the States, which was the day after New Year's Eve here in Russia, I thought, all right, I, I looked back over some of his messages and that really that one section of these texts where he said all this stuff about, you know, <clears throat> I knew that Daria went to Russia to get more power and options, and her parents probably knew that too, more or less, and that, you know, this was in reply to me saying, we didn't come to Russia to get divorced. He says, oh, well, yeah, Daria came to Russia to get more power and options. Um, I just took a clip of that. I took a, you know, screenshot and I sent it to this Worcester group of our friends, which included um, Nick, Tiffany's ex-boyfriend. Tiffany was supposedly in that group, although I think she had blocked me by that time. I was not aware of that. And so basically I just sent that, you know, see what happens. You know, let's see what happens when other people read this about Holmes's reaction to the idea that Daria was or was not coming to Russia to divorce me and get custody of the kid. And he hit me back in a private message in the Signal Messenger saying, it really makes me nervous when, when people send um, screenshots of my messages publicly, <laughs> which was a little bit obvious. Uh, so I didn't reply in that private message. I just replied in the public message and I said, it should make you nervous. In this message, you admit to conspiracy to commit international child kidnapping. Is that an exaggeration? I don't think it is, because he obviously gave material support to Daria with full knowledge, or the impression. I don't know. I mean, the implications of having said that and the way that he was acting wasn't right, and that's why I brought it to the group where there's these other people. Holmes' response to that was, oh yeah, 2020 is the year that I'll go to jail for child kidnapping. And Nick chimed in with just ha. So I didn't feel like I was going to get much support there, and I just kind of left it. After all that, for the next day or two, Holmes kept saying, I'll talk on the phone, I'll talk on the phone, I'll talk on the phone, you know, basically not wanting to exchange texts about it anymore. And then he sent me all these voice messages, which I didn't really want to listen to right away. All these Facebook voice messages that I kind of was hesitant to even listen to, and then I just kind of scanned through, and it was just kind of advice salad is what I would call it, Um, just all this talk about what it is to be in an international divorce and everything like that. So, all right, (laughs) you're asking me to spend hours of my life engaging with you is trying to go through if you want my help recollections I'm happy to help you and I'm happy to text I can go to records conversations that I've had total clusterfuck um, with but like, close friends hey, of ours who probably can just like conversations you've private, got my number way. call me when and you can't understand you know, but you're asking me to me like I think break you know I think you should talk to a really good lawyer in the US international family your strategy for getting me to do all this is hours of and I think anyway you should talk to a really good lawyer in Russia other close friends and both of those people are going to cost you some money or anything. If you were around, I'm trying to let your so, you know, so, 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 so
say was just like my guess if like you're you have a pretty good case you know, like if you have a lawyer you are going down that road say and you're and the lawyer thinks that it's a real serious path you went to Russia and worth and pursuing then uh, you should schedule a call with me and your lawyer and I'm happy to just like drop whatever impressions I have about the situation um, and you know I don't know how, in what way that's helpful, but I'll just say what I thought happened. I I don't... And then finally I said, I'll have a phone conversation with you, but the only thing I want to talk about is what kind of conversations went on between you and Tiffany and Daria about all this. You know, like you said, you got the impression, quote unquote, or you knew that um, that Daria was coming to Russia to get more power and options. What gave you that impression? I didn't even see him necessarily as a huge factor. But anyway, I wanted his help reaching Tiffany. Okay, then I got the impression that that wasn't going to happen. Then I wanted just some information, maybe. I don't even know what it was, but I just kept asking that question. Can you tell me about the conversations that happened back there? And he never said, no, I can't tell you about it. But, well, you just have to listen to this. Um... First of all, I think I think you should pay attention to the way that you're talking now. You're trying to enroll me as an ally, and you're talking to me in an extremely adversarial and bullying way. You're talking to me as well. An ally. You've been avoiding my question for five days, so I'm actually not that happy. I wasn't happy when I first got in touch with you. I mean, asking you what uh, you know, what you meant by this idea of you know, you had the impression that she was coming here to use a different kind of power. So. And I'm just giving you an opportunity to help Daria so that I have the background of what was said. I was in the relationship. I know what happened there. Okay, you said that there were these shockwaves. Well, tell me what these shockwaves were. Tell me the reactions and responses that were imposed back on Daria. That's that's what I'm curious about. Okay, there were shockwaves. Okay, so one example of a shockwave, the two things that I noticed, or the three things that I noticed, well, I'll just go in, in order. One thing I noticed was that you were drinking a lot. Okay. You know, you, can I just stop you right there? You guys don't drink. Okay, fine, that's your choice. That has nothing to do with a reason for you to encourage Daria to behave in the way that she's behaved. So can we just skip that? By the way, I was sober for two months. It was not a problem. It was super easy. Go to the next thing. I'm not asking about me being... I'm not asking you about my drinking habit. I'm asking you what was said to Daria to encourage her and enable her to return to her abusive parents in Russia. Go ahead. If you're talking to me this way now, I can only imagine how you talk to Daria when you get into fights. If, if Daria was pregnant and with you, and you ever talked to her like this, even one time, I would come about it. I'm not asking you about that. That's what I'm talking about. Those, that, that's an example of the kind of... I, I, right now, in this conversation, I have evidence that this is how you communicate with people who are close to you when you're feeling something very... I don't feel that close to you right now, bro. Maybe sometimes you don't feel that close to Daria either when you feel this way inside. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. Really, you don't know because you weren't there. Where you were were in conversations with Tiffany, 
and Daria about intending to come to Russia so that she wouldn't have to go through the American processes of mediating the end of a marriage. Talk no, to me about that. There never, no, there were never conversations that were that clear. Okay, then what kind of conversations were there? We talked about the fact that you two were in a relationship that was really, really problematic a lot. Daria was pregnant, and she was sobbing, I think by Daria and also by, by Tiffany and others, that, that, um, that there's a kind of anger that comes up, that comes out in ways when Daria came over to our house. She just needed some space. Honestly, it sounded like in the relationship there are a lot of moments like this. There are two things here. A... You know, we have a history of being friends. And two, you're trying to get me to participate with you. You're trying to get me to collaborate with you. And even when you're really trying to get me to collaborate with you, you can't keep a lid on the rage that you feel. And you can't keep from transmitting it to me in this super overt and unsettling way. When that's strategically totally against your interests in a way that I know is clear to you. So, like, if you can't keep a lid on it in this situation, how are you going to keep a lid on it when you're in... Uh, you know, your parents' house, an in-laws apartment, cooped up for months with a baby and, and a partner who's new in the country and has all kinds of needs and issues. Um, I'm asking you about conversations between you and Tiffany and Daria. So, uh, when, I say, when I say I got the impression that Daria was going there for that, I mean, I'm not talking about, like, custody shopping strength. I'm talking about or jurisdiction shopping strength. I'm talking about like the kind of strength where if you need to sort some shit out with somebody, you have people who have your back so that you aren't totally marooned. And my sense in doing that was that, or my, my sense of that was that like things seem to be going in a really rough way. They seem to be really harsh. They seem to involve a lot of conversations like this one. Then let's move on to what I've been asking you about, which is conversations between you, Tiffany, and Daria. about us giving him money, question mark. What did he say about us giving him money, question mark. I'm going to tell him that we're texting. Yes, you said something like, I can't believe, you won't believe what he said about it. And I guess I do kind of want to know. I mean, I could tell that he didn't appreciate it or think that it was, like, nice of us or something. Well, I don't know when we talked about it. I just felt like he's taking that for granted. I'm like, well, did you think these guys, you know, I don't know when I left for you to live. I don't, I mean, I don't honestly remember what he exactly said, said about it, but I felt like he didn't appreciate it much at all. Yeah, I understand. I felt bad asking, but I was kind of curious, just because. Anyway... I don't know. What did he say about us giving him money? Question mark. Uh, 
I didn't tell Jason anything about talking to you, by the way. Also, I'm not really talking to him about it, but he said that if you ever said that it was abuse and asked him to go to therapy, he would have, but whatever. He keeps thinking that that's not what the problem is and that you've never said that, so I don't. And that if you had ever said that, then that would be a different thing. But you said you did say it, so I can't... I don't know. So, this is the craziest part of a relationship, seems like. What the fuck? Why don't you just tell him that you think he's abusive and... That's why you're doing this. I understand you're in shock, though. But, yeah, I don't know. He's definitely making moves, and, um... He doesn't think that you have any grounds for this, so... I don't know. It's up to you, obviously, but... Uh, the U.S. consulate is moving forward to helping him. Or that you are afraid of him. Or that you are afraid of him or you don't want to be treated that way, or that no one should be treated that way. Yes, I understand that, but I, you, like, the recordings do make it sound like there's actually nothing wrong between you two, just that you don't think he should see the baby alone, you don't say why, and it sounds like there's no reason for it, except that he is not talking calmly the way you want. So, um, but you said you said stuff to him already, so I don't know what that means or what, but I don't know what you think is clear to him about this and what he's fabricating, and he should understand based on what you've told him, but he honestly makes it seem like he doesn't understand any of what you're feeling or what is what you're thinking okay I told him that I'm texting with you if you can do me a favor and never share my messages with Jason not take a screenshot to say anything to him about our conversations that would be really helpful.
you know, honestly, the reason I'm not in a hurry to write him and explain anything because is that he's been there. You know, if he anything smart, like he claims to be, he knows what happened. He's not... He's just denying it in his mind or excusing himself or whatever he's doing, I don't know. Me telling him again, look, he's an abuser. I, I mean, I told him so many times before, not right now maybe, but I told him how I felt, that I was afraid of him, that, and his response would be, oh, grow up. You know, I'm not doing anything, or whatever. I mean, if he can't see what happened, then me pointing at it wouldn't change it. He still wouldn't get it. He would just say, uh, well, I don't see anything wrong in it. I was just annoyed because you were annoying me, or whatever. I mean, it's just, I'm so tired of explaining to him what he's doing wrong. Isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious that I left after he threatened to punch me? He remembers that. I don't have to repeat it to him. He was angry with me all day and he would start crying for five seconds and he would run from the other room all angry as hell, almost ready to hit me. Like, why is he crying? What are you doing to him? And all day he was just annoyed and he would just, you know, everything I would say, he would just stare at me and just, you know, kind of like... I would, I would, I don't know, I felt the whole day that I left that he was like ready to punch me anytime, that he was just so angry with everything I was doing or saying or anything, and the previous night he just blamed me for, you know, whatever was going on and uh, said he doesn't want any more doesn't want to continue having family with me and they should get rid of the new baby and that was two days in a row of him just being angry and complaining and threatening and more and more and more and all of a sudden he doesn't know what happened why why did she leave everything was you know usual well I mean yeah that's usual for him I guess I mean, it's just, yeah, I can repeat all of it and say, hey, yeah, no, if he really needs it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I just felt like, you know, isn't it obvious? between you, Tiffany, and Dyer could have given me that question. <clears throat> I 
I mean, I, I, for example, I didn't even know if I remember a single conversation I had between me and Tiffany and Daria about her relationship, except that night after that night when we were skateboarding in the parking lot. That's the only time I can remember me and Tiffany and Daria talking about your relationship. I remember another moment where me and Daria talked directly about your relationship when she was at our house um, and planning to stay over. Um, Tiffany said a lot of stuff about your relationship with Daria, um, mostly stuff that seemed to fit with the stuff I was seeing, but, you know, she just said that things were... She said that that you were being mean a lot, and that there were a lot of moments where you were mean to Daria. Okay, um, go on. It's pretty much the long and short of it. She said that you were being mean, that, um, I don't know, it's just cheap of, like, what do you want? That's, what do you want me to say? That's a pretty short conversation. She said, Jason's being mean to Daria, and you said, okay. I don't know, that sounds like she a pretty... Said things like, she said things like, there were other moments where you... I've heard, I don't know if it was Tiffany, from Tiffany, but there are other moments where you... Uh, I heard that... I know that in in person, I, she was really stressed about the baby, and you were kind of... You were amazing when you were engaged with the baby, uh, and really supportive in that, but also I, I noticed a thread where you're often kind of kind of picking at her, or like... I don't know how to describe it exactly, but just like kind of questioning or second-guessing decisions or things that she was doing in the living space a lot. I might have talked about that with Tiffany at some point. You know, I've just also like... I've been around the block. Like, I've heard a million stories of... And read a ton and researched a ton on this, like, oh, what happens with couples when they have kids, or, you know, across different countries, and what happens when there's conflict between couples and all that. So, like, as soon as you said... As soon as it sounded like there was some kind of conflict, I was like, okay, that's what this is. It's not, uh, it doesn't, it's not rock, it's like, this is a kind of shitty phrase, but it's like, it feels like it's not rocking. That's my interpret. that was my interpretation in a holistic sense. It seemed like you, she was in a really, really dependent position here in Worcester on a number of levels. And, uh, and I think if she was, and I think also she has, generally my impression talking to Daria is that she has a really sort of hesitant, especially once the baby was born, she had a very hesitant and submissive orientation to things. She might have felt, okay, I'll get out of this context, which from this point of, of like, you know, where she's at now, like, she isn't just like running from you, but you know, what you're saying is basically that my interpretation was wrong. And if it is, then it is. You know, the stuff I was hearing, not in the sense of like, some secret master plan, but like, just in the sense of how shit was Y'all was rough, or Daria talking about how shit with y'all was rough. So. Okay, so I appreciate your sharing all that. And so I'm curious about the final couple months where we're planning to go to Russia and Tiffany's coming with us. You guys support us and help us leave, and you know, we're. Everything seemed to me like, okay, we're happy. Yeah, this is gonna be good for our relationship. We're gonna go and experience Russian culture together. And then, you know, I hear from you the other day that you had, you know, every impression that Daria was actually doing this to get more power and options, that this wasn't actually something that was gonna be good for our relationship, that it was actually quite the opposite. And so that, that's what I'm, you know, curious about when it comes to conversations between you and Tiffany about what was going on here. Tiffany went with us. I hate to be, be a nitpicker here, but what, why is Daria having more options to power up your relationship? It doesn't 
doesn't seem like there's a natural opposition. Well, I don't know. I mean, the fact is, the, well, the context in which you said that was you were saying this stuff about um, her parents feel like they're protecting her from, and I said, we came here to visit her parents, and then you said, to be direct, I had the impression that she was coming there to get more power and options. No, power and options does not necessarily mean it's bad for the relationship. Power and options to... Uh, escape from some situation in the U.S., that, that's what I would say. Yeah, that was the context of that when you said that. Yeah. Well, I think if, if you know, if, if Daria had conversations with her parents ever that were similar to, the, were similar to the conversations she had with, with me or I assume Tiffany, and I, I, I think if, because I, I think I felt that way, it felt like she, it felt like there was a thing that needed to be resolved and she needed to kind of I guess, you know, she needed to set boundaries in some way with you or something. Like, something needed to get sorted out. I don't know. It kind of seems like it still does. Like, if, if uh, I think, I, I don't know. But if Daria, are you really worried that Daria is going to spend the next five years of her life living with her abusive parents? What are you worried about, I guess? In, in terms of, like, forward, like, not looking backward, but looking forward. So maybe you worried about how Basically, I'm worried about how long it's going to take to get her and my son back to a healthy mental condition after she's been living isolated, way more isolated than she was in Worcester, by the way, subject to basically constant daily abuse by her parents. That's what I'm worried about is, yeah, she can't stay there. You're damn right she can't stay there. I'm not worried about her staying there because she's going to have to get out, and I'm trying to give her a way out. I've been spending the last 50 hours asking patient questions, never asserting myself never saying anything, never making any statement. That's what I've been dealing with for the last 50 hours. I didn't see my kid for seven weeks. He's alienated, he's depressed. So there's been a real impact and I'm gonna have to recover from that. That's what's gonna happen. No, she can't stay there, you're right. Good insight, but I'm worried about how long it's gonna take to get her back and help her and how long it's gonna take to get back to the States where she can see an actual counselor because they exist in that country and they're available. I'm having to be the counselor here because there's no fucking support. And I'm so I'm asking you, okay, if you had the impression and Tiffany had the impression that shit was so bad, tell me the conversation, instead of the intervention where you or and or Tiffany and Dari and I sat down, how can we make this relationship work before you leave to go to Russia where there is no support system, where the custody laws could be totally irregular and crazy, where you don't even know who her parents are going to be? We have the impression that Daria thinks she's going to go to Russia and separate from you. Let's talk about that before you go. That conversation never happened. What conversations between you and Tiffany and Daria happened instead in those final couple months? You can tell me about conversations between you and Tiffany. You know, the kind of things that could have been in that conversation where I would have been involved, but that, ne that never happened. So you, you're feeling like we should have, we should have warned you that, that like that Hague <clears throat> situation was a, was a risk? You know, I'm not saying any should statements. I'm just saying that that conversation never happened, and I'm wondering what conversations happened instead if it was so common knowledge that Daria was going to go to Russia and try to break up this relationship and go back to her parents. Um, I, I also didn't mean the initial thing narrowly as about jurisdiction shopping. Like I said, I meant it more broadly. Um, but, yeah, um, I mean, I think it's a good point that maybe one of us should have warned you about that. 
uh, you know, actually, I could have warned you about that, having had that impression, having had some familiarity with these cases. Um, I felt like it's the kind of thing that isn't really, like, it's not a secret that that kind of stuff happens, and it's not a secret that Russia's a lawless place. And, um, and, so it, and so it felt like you had pretty much access to all the same information that I did. You, you knew more than I did about Darga's basic level of happiness, certainly you still do, uh, in the relationship. And so it felt like you had access to all the information I had. Um, and that's kind of what I was saying when I sent that message to you. I was like, you know, you had all the access to the information that I had here, and my impression was X, Y, Z. So if your impression wasn't that, what parts of the situation were you ignoring or, or not paying attention to or something? This is the thing. I mean, you're talking about a person who says one thing to one person and says another thing to another person. So what I'm curious about is the, the or mainly Tiffany, who then echoes back to Daria all these things about how bad the relationship is and then how she has to get away. Meanwhile, Daria's talking to me and she's like, yeah, we've had problems, but I want to work it out and go to Russia with you. We're going to have fun and you're going to learn this in Russia. You're going to do this. We'll have a good time, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, she's having conversations with Tiffany that are like, yeah, you'll be able to escape better in Russia, won't you? Jason's so abusive. He's so mean to you, isn't he? And that kind of conversation happening on one side of Daria and then on the side of me, it's like, yeah, we've had issues, but yeah, we can work it out. Then all of a sudden we get here and, oh no, we're not working it out. I'm stealing, I'm taking everything out of the apartment with my mother and going back to the apartment and not even saying anything to you and not engaging anymore at all. You know, as you and I both know that Tiffany is... Um that Tiffany has experienced abuse by men and is also very tuned into the possibility of that and is also um, very committed to supporting women who she feels are experiencing that. That is a lens, and it can be, like any lens, it can be a blinder. Um, but, you know, it's one that you and I know that Tiffany has. And I think it's entirely possible that Daria felt a need to escape the situation that she was in. Being with her, your parents' house, licenseless, Solidity. I bet she was feeling that. That's just, I can't imagine that she wasn't feeling that. So it, it sounds like part of what you're dealing with is an in-laws problem here. It, sure like, is. You have, you, have very, very rabid, you have very, like, weaponized in-laws. You have, like, the fucking anthrax of in-laws. This is not a family. <laughs> this is like a criminal gang that's suddenly been formed. This family did not exist. She has not lived with her parents on any consistent basis since she was 16 years old. No, it's not normal. This is not, so, it's not normal, anyway. It's, it's important to, you know, New England mother-in-laws and father-in-laws are also their own bag of tricks. And they won't, you know, they won't get in a fistfight with you or, or like, whatever, but they, or try, or make plans to kidnap your kid, but they will be really weird sometimes. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying your parents are that necessarily, but like, in-laws come in all shapes and sizes, and, well, Tiffany's main source of information is on everything is, well, it's either you or Daria, right? So she's talking to both of you. So, maybe the reason why she's saying it is because of stuff Daria's telling Yeah, I mean, that, and that's what Daria says too when we talk about it. She's like, that's just because what I told her. But... <clears throat> It doesn't change the point of if Tiffany is saying now that Daria needs to leave me and go live with her parents, 
then she must have been saying that and thinking that back in August, and she didn't say anything to me then. Um, I mean, that's, that's between you and Tiffany. If Tiffany was thinking that she was smart enough not to say it, like, so what? So what, what if Tiffany was thinking that? So what if Daria was thinking that? I mean, I guess in Daria's case, it relates to a Hague thing or something. If Tiffany's thinking that, it's just her... I mean, I would just be worried about why Tiffany's thinking that. What brought Tiffany to think that? Either about how Daria's representing the situation or how, how the signals that you were sending. Well, it's mainly about why Tiffany's thinking that, but not saying anything to me. Well, this is a question. Do you do you feel like you talked a lot about your relationship with Daria with Tiffany before um, before Russia? And um, in Italy, but in Italy, you know, we did have occasions to talk a lot more about it, and I did share a lot of my feelings and my, you know, things that had been a problem for me from my perspective because I didn't go outside the relationship to talk about my problems with Daria. That's what Daria did. And so, I mean, Tiffany being the closest person, the closest mutual friend, someone who accompanied us on our way out of the country, the idea that everything that I've experienced since then says to me that she had, you know, every everything in her mind was that Daria was planning for it to end in a breakup in Russia, whether Daria was conflicted or not. In Tiffany's mind, I don't think, I think she's still acting like Daria was never conflicted about that. So Tiffany believes that Daria has no inner conflict, that she's fully intending to come here and break up and divorce and go live with her parents without telling me, and Tiffany doesn't say anything about that to me. Are you, are you just, so are you trying to get to the bottom of this mostly to just understand what you want your relationship with Tiffany to be going forward? I mean, it sounds like it's going to be pretty hard on both sides for... Well, I guess, you know, I'm... I'm looking for just as much information as I can so that I can know what to say to Daria about this Tiffany relationship because I was saying to her, talk to Tiffany. She'll tell you, you know, that it's a good idea to come back to the United States, that you'll be safe there, that you'll be supported, that you have friends there. And then, basically, Tiffany went to her and said, oh yeah, you don't want to go back with Jason, he's abusive, stay with your parents, is what I have every impression that that's what she talked to her on multiple occasions with in December, and said, yeah, stick with the plan. Daria won't yield the content of those conversations. You want want everybody to go back to the States? I think that's the best option. That's our habitual residence. That's where we live. We came here to visit. I'm looking at marital counseling. I'm looking at pregnancy support groups. I'm looking at counseling for Daria related, you know, through the pregnancy. I'm looking at healthcare for Daria. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have, there are a lot of signals in the situation <coughs> that she might be thinking about divorce. It's in her power to do that. It's in her right to do that. And there's a lot of indications that she might be uh, on track to do that or that there's a good probability that she'll do it. I mean, I'm not even trying to be a dick by saying this, but like, just just assessing things like this is kind of what it feels like I, and I know when you get into these situations of life of marriage and co-parenting it feels like it's permanent it feels like there's this permanent bond but things can go really get really shitty in a way that's unrecoverable and once they do different people have different senses of what that is I mean if Daria grew up in Brazil for example 
Do I grew up in a context where marriage is not permanent? Like, marriage in Brazil is not a lifelong commitment by any means. Having a child with someone is not a lifelong commitment um, to, to them as a romantic partner in the way that it is, or that it was for people in your parents' dinner. It's, you know, so, it, it, it's just, and I don't know what it's like in Russia, but. You can't yeah. do that. So, <laughs> anyway, look, there's but, plenty. So I think you have to, when I say divorce, you can't say no, this isn't a divorce. It's, you don't want it to be a divorce, but she, part of her does, sometimes, at least. So, you have to, <laughs> you know, it could be a divorce. Why do you think, I, I think Mary, I was talking about this a little bit about Mary on her radio report, and Mary made a good point, which is that, like, like, when, you know, women never, no society or women or generally the public never accuses men of meddling in other men's relationships. It's just no, no man is ever accused of that. And so a man can say to another man, like, yeah, you should totally have sex with the person, that person you have a crush on. Or, dude, your, your lady is treating you terribly. Like, men can say this stuff all the time, but they would never be judged in this way as like an interloper. And I think it's based on you know, when Mary said that, it made me think, oh, yeah, it's totally based on a presumption that is still in our heads, whether we like it or not, of marriage as male property where in territory, where another male interloping in a male's giving a, giving a, a man advice on their marriage isn't interloping, it's just advice. But a woman giving another woman advice on their marriage is interloping because, sort of presumptively, it's the man's territory. Okay. It's not the one's and what I'm complaining about is not necessarily that Tiffany said something to Daria or gave her advice. I'm talking about the fact that back in August, before we came to Russia, I was talking to Tiffany too. And she said two different fucking things. She was saying one thing to Daria, which was break up with Jason, go back and live with your parents. When you get to Russia, you can get away. To me, she's saying, well, yeah, you can maybe work it out. Yeah, you can probably. She did. She said two different things. She lied. That's what I'm complaining about. I'm not complaining that she gave bad or wrong or anti-me advice. People can do that. Her mom did that. Okay, I can't complain about that. I, my complaint with her mom is different. My complaint with her mom, with Daria's mom, is that she took my fucking kid, locked the door, and wouldn't let me in. That's my complaint with her mom. My complaint with Tiffany is that she, she wasn't just talking to Daria and telling and interloping as a woman in Daria. She was saying one thing to me, and she was saying something different to Daria, and we ended up in a different country where the laws changed because Tiffany didn't alert me to what the actual conversation was about. Um, I think, do you, do you, did you suspect what Tiffany was saying to you at the time as being insincere? No. I trusted Daria and I trusted Tiffany. They were my best friends. Daria is still, one, Daria is still my best friend. Tiffany, you, you know, Tiffany would be like, you're my oldest friend. And meanwhile, dude, in her mind, Daria was going to, Daria was conflicted. In Tiffany's mind, Daria was going to Russia to get away from me and break up and move back with her parents without telling me that plan. It's not, for what it's worth, it's not my impression that Tiffany was sure that that's what was going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, but I also don't know enough information about it to know. But, like, I, I think Tiffany was probably in, like, a, you know, if Tiffany was a betting person, that's probably what she would have bet on.
just one thing if if you want to if you want to be able to talk to Tiffany about this in a real way you just have to drop the you just can't go on the offense like I, I almost I just you know it was hard for me to pick the phone today because I knew you were kind of going to be on the work on with me and you know I don't I don't think that that's really fair <laughs> uh, otherwise I wouldn't have said or done the things that I've said and done and I don't think that you know uh, I don't like it so <laughs> Tiffany definitely feels the same way if she's not responding to your messages you know I have a pretty good sense of why based on what it was like to receive your messages over the past few weeks also it's sometimes weird where you'll send you'll send a screenshot or a document with like zero context which just is like something a crazy person would do. And I know you're kind of going crazy over there, and I get it. Like, I would be too. But it's good when you're going crazy to be aware of your crazy. Otherwise, because then you can give people a mixed dose of crazy and not crazy you. And what I like about this voice conversation is I'm definitely getting that mixed dose. I'm getting you at your most rageful, but also, you know, I'm getting, like, other parts of you. I would just like try to make sure that in communicating with people, especially Daria, especially Daria's parents, you're giving them like not just enraged Jason and calculating Jason, but also just like fun dad Jason and cares about the situation Jason and really wants us to work out Jason. Yeah, just I like guess I just and when it comes to you telling me that I should not be enraged with Tiffany, I mean I spent weeks trying to get her on the phone. I was never enraged. My texts were never to be read as enraged. I never accused her of any of the things that I'm telling you that is obvious. It's her behavior that has signaled to me. Okay, I felt like this at Daria, yeah, at first, when she took my child and wouldn't let me see him. I was giving her information. I was not saying anything about her. I was not confronting her with the type of issue that I'm confronting but you with now. Usually you would contract was and not if we were having a normal conversation. <laughs> Crazy Jason does not contract the words was and not. Regular Jason probably would. Dude, um, <laughs> do you think I have no reason to be upset? <laughs> Is that what you're telling no, I, me? I, no, I know you do, but I think it's ricocheting around. It's, it's like ricocheting? What's that? I think the people who have wronged you are... Here are Daria's parents and somewhat Daria, but I think really, if seeing Anki is your number one priority, then you should file for a divorce and you should do the Hague thing or whatever, or file for a divorce in Russia and in the United States and do the, you know, abduction case thing or whatever, and just get it settled so that you have time to see Anki and just end things with with Daria. If you want to pursue a relationship with Daria, then you have to totally take all the adversarial stuff out of this and just focus on the relationship with Daria and let her spend time alone with you. Look, I can be chill with Daria and have an adversarial relationship with Tiffany or you, if that's what's required. I can have an adversarial relationship with other people and resolve things with Daria. And that's basically what I'm considering as the option, is that I was betrayed by Tiffany, and you let that happen as well. 
You observed it happening and you did not come to me and say anything about it. Okay, that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. I have that responsibility to you? Come on, man. What, what, what responsibilities do you have to me? I can be adversarial with you and Tiffany and not be adversarial with Daria. And when Daria starts to think about what... When Daria starts to think about... you are sending me crazy texts. You're going to say crazy shit to Daria sometimes, too. And you're going to give her parents vibes. You can't... You have to... You will not be able to build that firewall inside you. Well, dude, I can say my doubts about your fucking personality all day as well. Before you talk to me again, go back and read our texts and decide who sounds crazier. Decide who sounds crazier. I'm crazy you. <laughs> go back and read our texts and decide who sounds more crazy and angry. It's you, dude. And honestly, when you go back and listen to this recording of this conversation, I'm going to sound unhappy, but I don't sound crazy, dude. I'm saying everything I'm saying is true. Honestly, I don't. If, if I had to bet, I would bet that you know, we won't be together in two years. But I might be wrong. Um, anyway, I. So I think you're okay. And the main reason why I was engaging with you is because I was worried about you. Because, I don't know, if I was over there, I'd be really depressed and feeling really off the wall. When I asked you about you know, the fact that you compared me to Giselle and you to Daria, because sometimes alcohol was involved and I'd get super dark. Or like this thing about the whole parking lot situation, which I haven't even, you know, the part, this skateboarding parking lot night, and I haven't even bothered to, you know, try to get into that. But, you know, I was really dark. You know, you said that a couple of your texts were about me being dark and you could have really dark energy or something. I'll just say the way I meant it, which is, um, which is the only way I think it matters in this context. Which is just that it, you seemed um, you seem to not be doing not be to really be not feeling good and to be transferring that not feeling good to others, transmitting it to others, sharing it with others um, around. And, and you know it seemed like it seemed like sadness or or frustration or anger something like that and it seemed like just kind of present. okay so I was feeling sad I guess is that what you, you mean you were you, you looked like you were really sad and angry and feeling strong emotions that weren't like like there's there's one common failure mode for people that's I think more common for men where like you just have really really strong feelings inside about something and it, but like it's hard for them to kind of come out in a fluid way, so they come out in like sideways, like ricochet ways, usually with anger or like people like, I don't know, like when people do things that are unexpected, you know, because they're clearly feeling something, but they're not saying what they're feeling, and they do some stuff where you're like, whoa, you must have been feeling some really heavy shit to do that. You know, or in some of the stuff that you said in these messages, like, I don't know, like some of this calculating stuff, like it's not, or it's not the time to calculate what percentage of Anki's life he spent away from you. It's like that, the, that like, that mathy stuff is more of a refuge for someone who's feeling a lot of things that are really hard to feel. You know, it's, it, it's a kind of virtual reality.
these, if you see your mind going those places the way I can see your mind going those places sometimes, I would just suggest like just kind of tapping the brakes and being like, okay, why is my mind going there? And like, what are the most important things I want? It's not going to come from that that part of my brain. It, it, those are like blinders. If that makes sense, it's a closing down of your full brain. You know, with me and Tiffany, the feelings aren't as loud, so it's going to tend more in an analytical, like, kind of grasping, like, tight spreadsheet direction. But, but okay, here's the other thing: is that sometimes the best thing to do is absolutely nothing. Doing nothing is highly overrated, highly underrated as an option a lot of the time. So, like, Daria's going through her own process. Don't make this about you, and just wait. And maybe even come back to the U.S. for a bit, not for long, and definitely with like some custody arrangement in place, and definitely like within that structure, so that you don't give up the status quo of you being involved. But you know, maybe go back. Also, maybe you should try your hand at this. Like, you should anticipate that maybe down the road this divorce thing might happen, and you might want to force her to come back to the U.S. If things get really bad, and so you might want to prepare, just research the Hague case and see if it's a doable thing. I don't know if it is or not, but if you haven't researched that yet and talked to Larry and the rest of who knows about that stuff, you know, whatever I think, whatever Tiffany thinks, whatever Daria thinks or feels, it's totally fair for you to, you know, require your co parent to play by the rules. And I totally support that principle. So it's that you don't have that in your back pocket because if you don't have that back in your back pocket you're pretty much alone in Russia and the only way you're going to figure this out is through through making the relationship work really well I don't know I mean part of the decision is or part of what I'm trying to figure out is like should we think of you as having been our friends in all this, actually? Or should I think of, should we think of you and Tiffany as having really not been our friends at all and having done something that was really not friendly in any way and that was actually harmful and detrimental? And I don't know. I mean, I'm still trying to decide. I appreciate all the advice and everything. 